Hello, friends, and welcome. I am Joe. And I'm Fiora Elise, and this is the Esoterics Podcast. Yay, we're back. We're back after a little bit of a vacation. Yes, a little bit of a holiday break. We hope mm-hmm. you guys are doing well. We hope you enjoyed your um, Thanksgiving festivities if you celebrate that or if you're working on changing what that means for you. I met a few friends who um, they're like, we're doing away with Thanksgiving. So we're, <gasps> yeah, and, but they're doing like Friendsgiving, which <gasps> I think is awesome. Yeah. Like I'm totally down for that for yep. next year um, because that's what like the holidays mean. I mean, at least for me, it's just like spending time yeah. with people you love, right? A hundred percent. In Michigan, that's what we did every year, had a Friendsgiving with our group of friends. It was yeah. so much more fun. I mean, yes. Um, you know, my family hasn't, isn't really close. So it was, it was never a big deal for me, but yeah, Friendsgivings are way better than Thanksgiving. But I do question if these people are doing away with Thanksgiving totally. Mm -hmm. Um, well, I don't, I don't know if people are getting, I, I think it's just, you know, it's muddled traditions as far as like the idea of thanksgiving and where it comes from and the colonialism around it that kind of stuff i think it's just trying to like shed that and like like okay that the whole story is not necessarily true that we've been fed our whole lives let's learn the real story and then also like let's but let's not lose the joy you know the good parts of it let's keep let's keep the good parts of it which why not yeah. There were a lot of Instagram stories about um, indigenous um, celebrations. Yes. Um, and mm-hmm. people are switching to the foods and the cultures, you know. Um, yep. And I don't remember what post it was or anyway, but it was a black lady and she was like, um, we do not celebrate pilgrims. Mm-hmm. So, you know, mm-hmm. get with it. And it was it was actually very funny. Yeah. Um, so. Um, I was like, yeah, me either. Exactly. <laughs> pilgrims. Stupid pilgrims. <laughs> Colonizers. <laughs> Colonizers. Basically. Yeah. Um, actually, I have a I have a book, a recipe book recommendation uh, for anybody that is doing that that kind of work um, or is interested in just maybe getting started. Um, it's this book called uh, Decolonize Your Diet. And oh, cool. Yeah. It's about – it's, it's – um, basically Mesoamerican indigenous food recipes that um, it, it ends up being vegan, uh, but just because it's just doesn't have meat and no dairy in it. Um, mm-hmm. But they're delicious recipes in there. Um, like there's a, a mushroom pozole recipe. There's a cornbread. I mean, there's so many different types of amazing foods that you can make without incorporating, you know, the, uh, the animal products and in, into your recipes which you know if, if, if even if it's something that you want to dabble in here and there like um I don't consider myself I don't ca- uh, categorize myself as vegan because unfortunately I still very much love eggs so mm-hmm. I don't think I'll ever get there but um mm-hmm. but being lactose intolerant and all that it's mm-hmm. like yeah I have to find my way around around yeah. recipes and simple Simple Truth Organics, I think it's a Kroger brand. It uh-huh. has um, um, a lactose-free ice cream. And I'm not a big fan of ice cream. I never have been. I'm not that kid or even the adult who's like, ice cream, you know. Oh. Um, but I found this lactose-free, you know, they called ice treat or whatever. And mm-hmm. it was caramel, cashew caramel. Oh. Um, yeah, I tore that shit up. And I just, I got a little tiny pint of it, which is a good thing. And I've mm-hmm. not purchased another um, <laughs> because specifically it, it's, it's, it it's was ridiculous. It was so good. But, <laughs> but um, it was so nice to um, um, eat that and enjoy it and not wait for the cramps to set in. Right. Because anytime I eat dairy, it's like, I'm going to either have the shits or the cramps. And those are so glamorous. Um, I, you know, who wouldn't want that? Who wouldn't want um, cramping and diarrhea after eating ice cream? So sexy. Yeah. So no. Yeah. If anyone can point me in the direction of a, um, a non-dairy butter pecan, like I will love you forever. Because, is that not the best flavor in the entire world? Oh, it really is. But yeah, but just the same like you. It's like I have to pay for it afterwards. So I'd rather really rather rather not. Yeah, yeah. Butter pecan and 
um, caramel cashew, my two favorite flavors of all time. Oh, delicious. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. All right. Um, you have any announcements for us? Um, so my only announcement is sort of just to let people know um, the direction that my services are taking. So I'm still going to be doing readings. I am going to limit them to um, just a couple days a week. Um, and I'm going to focus more intently on um my jewelry and designing jewelry. I'm going to be taking like a three-month class to sort mm-hmm. of um, um, take it back to basics and really, uh, really refine my craftsmanship, I'm switching primarily to just silver. A lot of times in the past I've um, because silver is very expensive. I've been doing a lot of the back plates with copper, um, because copper has some really cool metaphysical properties. Yeah. So, you know, in the way that I do jewelry, it's specifically to sort of interact with like your Akashic, um, record, your etheric field, your energy, mm-hmm. um, all of that stuff. So copper was, um, a bonus, mm-hmm. um, but um, it doesn't clean up as nicely as silver and it doesn't look as beautiful as silver mm, and it's not yeah. as chunky um, sure. or, you know, a nice thick heavy weight to it. So um, I'm doing that. And then I'm actually going to be focusing on pieces um, that are about the woo. Uh, oh. So like, for instance, I just did a, a pendant that was shaped like a planchette. I did a Ouija oh. board pendant. I yeah. did... Um, I did one that had the, the card, the tarot card, the high priestess. So, um, cool. I found this really cool vendor on Etsy who, um, produces these really high quality elements that are uh-huh. made with, um, you know, like, um, brass, copper, sterling, silver. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I'm, so I'm going to start creating woo jewelry. Wow. Um, I know I'm so excited about it. It's going to be so fun. How fun. Yeah. That's awesome. I can't wait to yeah. see those. Uh, well, I, um, I'm excited to start designing it. Um, and then I also have a line called Luna that where I'm going to start um, creating jewelry around the phases of the moon or celebrating oh. the phases of the moon. So, um, very woo and, um, but you know, still doing readings and all that good stuff. So awesome. Yeah. 2022, bring it on. Yep. What about you? Did, it, did we? Did you have announcements? Uh, no, I don't have any new announcements. Um, still linked in our show notes are still have shadow work classes are still available for download. Um, just go through my website. Link is in our show notes. Um, yeah, no, shadow work is really coming up for a lot of people. It's yeah. Um, I know we're planning on doing an episode where we'll, we'll talk uh, more about it in depth in yeah. the beginning of the year because it's it helps to clear stuff out it's that's that's what it is right you're trying to um get into the new year you have plans you have things you want to achieve manifestations all that stuff but if you don't clear the junk out of the closet it gets it holds you back you know absolutely i just had somebody one of my clients tell me that they recently downloaded your class Mm -hmm. uh, classes on manifestation or shadow work so um i was like oh fantastic wonderful Yeah. Um, yeah Yeah, so people are using it hand yes. in hand. Mm-hmm. Yep, and that's why I created them because I know I know the need is there, and I made them super affordable. Because again, I, I I want them to be available for for anyone and everyone. And that's actually going to be a really fun episode um, because we both have such different um, ways that we approach shadow work. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'll be fun to put them together and see what yeah. comes up with people for for well comes up from like art we're cooking. Yes. Mm-hmm. Putting it all together. Okay. What are we talking about today? Today we are talking about grief. <gasps> excellent. An excellent much needed topic. I'm excited. Yeah. So like I mentioned earlier, I mean, with, with this time of year, because I think because of the holidays, definitely, it's normally a time that we get together with friends and family. And so it becomes more apparent. Obviously, we really miss the people that aren't here with us in the physical world. Um, I've been through my own journey with grief when I lost my dad. Um, it, it'll it be 14 years in January, um, February 8th is actually the day that he passed. But my dad um, 
I've I've written the story in detail. It's on my blog if anybody is interested in, in reading the entire story. But um, my dad passed um, unexpectedly as a result of an accident um, at work. And um, the accident happened, it was uh, January 23rd. And he was in the hospital for about two weeks and where he, he fought for his life and it was just ended up being too much for his physical body and he, um, he passed on. I was uh, 21 at the time and I had, uh, my daughter was four months old at the time. And so it was, it was, uh, I mean, to say that it was a difficult time is kind of an understatement because, you know, you have, a, on the one hand, I had this newborn who needed me and, and this joyful time, you know, it's, I had just become a mother and then, you know, suddenly losing my father and the, um, that process that, that happens afterwards and going through all the stages. I remember at first, like, um, I was so much in shock, just obviously, you know, the, the, the whole situation in general, I remember feeling just though really, really calm. And I know now that it was, that was part of shock, right? Because yeah. everybody reacts to shock differently. Um, but I remember just feeling like this, it felt like it was outside of my body. Like it felt like somebody else was there helping me to remain calm. Like I needed yeah. to be strong for the rest of my family. My, my little sister was 13 at the time. And, um, and then um, my my parents had been married for um, 20, 24 years, I believe, at that by at that, at that time. Um, and so it was, you know, the the feeling of having the rug pulled out from under you, and all of a sudden your world is turned upside down, and um, having to help my mom with that whole process. And then um, once. Um, because it's an unexpected thing. And although my dad did have a life insurance policy, which I'm going to say is like, that was a, a godsend. It was a lifesaver. And it was just a term life insurance policy that helped immensely. Like, I cannot tell you, like, if we didn't have that, like, I, I feel for people when, you know, they have to post GoFundMe pages and do all this stuff to raise money for all this, because you're, again, you're already going through so much and then have to worry about that too. And so right. that, that was truly a godsend. I'm so glad that my parents had that foresight to, to plan that because that really did help so much. I didn't have to worry so much about that financial part of it, but, um, yeah. Um, when, when my dad passed and, and this is where, you and I had this conversation where what what tripped me up was because he was in the hospital and what happened to him was he was run over by a semi-truck. And so his body, um, his, his en entire pelvis was shattered. He uh, lost his, his right leg. It had to be amputated, um, a, a very high amputation, very, um, uncommon amputation and uh that happened just a few days after the accident maybe like two or three days after and then um he got better like he was getting like he was you know intubated and all that and he was incredibly swollen like his whole body was swollen and then the swelling started to go down and at one point they actually removed the tube and he could talk and it was this I felt like it, afterwards, I felt like it was such a cruel joke that it was like a false sense of hope that he was getting better, that he was going to make it, that he was going to survive because he was able, you know, he was able to talk. And I remember being in the room with him and he would, he would still struggle. His voice was so sore from, you know, having the tube down his throat. And I would just tell him like, no, don't, you know, don't, don't, don't force yourself. Don't, like I didn't want him to suffer more. I didn't want him to try so hard and, and be hurt and be more and more pain trying to communicate with me. So I just told him like, it's okay. Like I, we're, we're here. I'm here with you. Um, and then from, from going, it was like, you know, like it felt like it was going up and, and then, and then all of a sudden it was just like a crash. Then I just got the phone call of like, you need to come right now. And that was because he'd had heart failure. He went into cardiac arrest three times and by the time I arrived his heart had failed for the fourth time and at this point it was because his heart was his heart rate was so elevated it was like he'd been running a marathon for almost two weeks 
I mean, yeah. and like, what do you think is going to happen? I mean, like right. the, the heart can only take so much. Your body can only take so much. And, uh, that's when, um, my mom just lost it. Like my mom ended up going into, she ended up in uh, the emergency room. And then I had to make the decision of either being there with my dad while, you know, in his last moments or being with my mom, who I felt like I'm going to lose her too. Right. Um, and I knew that he would want me to be with her. I, yeah. I, I knew that that's what he would, he would have wanted me to do. And I had to sign the DNR papers. I had to, you know, I had to handle all that stuff. I had to make those decisions. And for a long time, I felt a lot of guilt, a lot of that, like, did I make the right choice? Did I, but I, but I, 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 I knew then, and I still know now that that was the right choice. I didn't want him to keep suffering. It didn't make sense at that point. I was, I was make, I would be making him suffer for me trying to hold on to some kind of hope. Um, and then even then there was no guarantee that he was going to make it out of it, um, without any severe brain damage. And I know that he might, my, you know, his quality of life wouldn't have been the same. Why would I want to do that to him? So, you know, we, we made that decision and I, I signed all those papers. And then afterwards, um, I took my mom home and we're sitting on our sofa and I'm just, she's, she's laying her head on my lap and I'm just holding her. And my dad had this thing when he, uh, he would come home from work, he would come in through the garage and then he would go out through the back and like feed the dogs and like do stuff in the yard before actually coming in and he'd take off his work boots in the backyard. So you didn't come in with, you know, with dirty shoes. And then he would tap on the, on the patio door, on the glass door to, you know, to let us, to let him in. Cause it was always locked. And so I'm laying there on the couch with her and we hear the tap on the door just clear as day. And we knew like, Oh, that was, that's him. He's coming to say goodbye. Mm -hmm. And, and we, we just kind of in that moment just started, you know, just started sobbing and, uh, but he knew that we knew that he was okay. Like we knew he was coming to say goodbye. And then in the, in the days afterwards, you know, you just have this immense feeling of emptiness. And I was standing, my dad was type of person where he would, he, you know, on the weekends and stuff, he'd be like doing housework and doing yard stuff. And he'd just be walking around the house. He'd put on music and he was a very happy and joyous person. And he'd walk around the house whistling. And, um, I was in one night I was, um, downstairs by myself and I was washing my daughter's, uh, baby bottles. And so it's just me in the kitchen and I'm washing, I'm washing the bottles. And then I turn off the water and again, clear as day, I hear a whistle. I hear his whistle <laughs> and, and I turn and I'm like, I turn and I'm like, like expecting to see him like, Oh my God, you're here. And I turn and then I realize like, Oh my God, he's not, he's not here. But then I was like, but he is because right. I just heard that whistle. Like yeah. that was, there's no way like that didn't come from anywhere. Like water was off. Like, uh, and I know that that was him. And it, I would keep getting these little tugs, you know, throughout. And, um, but this whole process, I mean, I remember feeling, uh, going through all the phases, I remember feeling super angry when I would see a tractor trailer, when I would see a semi and I would, I would drive down the freeway, I would just, just hate all of them. Just, oh, like just, 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 you know, anger. Aside from the fact that they take up all the room and all the other things, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I would just, just feel so much anger. And then, um. And then I would, I also went through a phase of, uh, because we had services for him and, and, and did all that. We had masses and, and that, and I just remember like thinking like my dad was such, um, um, he had his own very, like his own very private spiritual practices. Um, he always had cards of saints, you know, with, with him, he always had like a saint in his wallet. He always wore a little necklace with, um, it, it was a, it's a certain cross I don't know what it's called in English but it's the Cruz de Cuernavaca it's like it, I'll show it to you but um um 
Yeah. And he would always have like these protection things, you know, like these things that he mm. believed in. And I was like, mm. where the fuck was this? Where right. was this? And why didn't this help him? Why didn't this save him? Why, yeah. why, why would you take him? Like of all people, like, why did you take him? And just that whole process of anger and not understanding and just, and then also like my own beliefs, like my own spiritual beliefs at that time, I was like, I don't know if any of this stuff works. I don't see, like, I don't feel any support from like believing in God. Like how, how can God be so cruel to that, that you would put him through so much pain that you would put him through so much suffering before taking him? Why didn't you just take him? Um, and there was so much questioning, like so much questioning of my my beliefs and the things that even I knew that he believed in and and all this. And it 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 drew me away from from organized religion big time. Yeah. After that, I was like, not that I became an atheist or anything like that, but I was but I was like, I don't it doesn't I think it's all bullshit. Like, I, you know, that's how I thought at the time. Like, it, none of this makes sense. I can't I can't I don't see how these things correlate. Um and and also the um the survivor's guilt of like i have i continue to live my life without him and i my daughter's going to grow up and she's not going to know her grandfather and if i have more children they're never going to meet their grandfather mm-hmm. and just that like that that pain and 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 just so much of that hurt and getting getting through that process and the things that helped because I felt so alone were those moments that I saw like the people that reached out like where I was just not expecting like I had my friend um my friend April who at the time um she had moved up north she had moved up um somewhere in the bay area and she had come down Mm -hmm. she had come down to see me and that like that I remember like oh my God, you're here. Like I was just, mm-hmm. it was like the last person I would, ex- I was expecting because it was so far and we were young at the time. Like, you know, it's not cheap to travel and get and get around and do all that. But, and then even at my dad's services, one of um, my teachers, my high school teachers, Miss um, Miss Birdie, she showed up to, mm-hmm. to the services. And again, this is like somebody I was not expecting, yeah. but the fact that she was there just, those things I will never forget when you think of, you know, the random acts of kindnesses that you receive throughout your life. It, those are things that stand out to me, the people that are there for you. Beautiful. Um, and then my mom was getting, you know, phone calls from everyone all the time. And she was sick of it. She was like, I don't want to talk to anyone. She's like, because all yeah. it is, is they just want to, they just want me to relive what I just went through. They want me to tell them this whole story. And she's right. like, I don't want to tell them. I don't right. want I don't have the energy. And some people got mad. Yeah. Like she lost friends. She lost friends because she didn't want to talk to them. And I had to get on the phone with some people and I had to tell them, please stop calling her. If right. you want to, if you want to be there for her, then you need to physically be here for her, but right. you need to stop calling her. She can't, she doesn't have the energy for it anymore. And they got pissed. Yeah. Like people stopped talking like they, that she's lost. She lost friends like that who never talked to her again. Well, she lost people that, from her life but yeah yeah yeah. friends is questionable right 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 Mm -hmm. yeah um and also she had a old her oldest sister who my mom had not talked to in like 20 something years they had like a severe falling out she showed up and she came and and gave her condolences and she Mm -hmm. came in person and she gave her condolences to her and that really meant the world to my mom and I know and I like just like thinking about it, like I just got the tingles that that was my dad. Like yeah. that was my dad. Like that was him working mm-hmm. and, and, you know, and getting them back together to have a relationship again, like being able to forgive each other mm-hmm. for the, the things that had happened between them and letting that go and having a, a new relationship. And I know that was my dad because that was my dad. My dad was the person that he didn't hold grudges like he, mm-hmm. you know, you did something wrong to him. Um, yeah, you know, whatever he would just like, he would dismiss it. Maybe he wouldn't have a relationship with that person anymore. He wouldn't trust them. But he wasn't like the person to just like hold on to things. He right, he wasn't going to hold right. on and be angry or, or right. wish anything bad upon anyone else. Like he's just not that type of person at all. And so I know that for sure that that was, that was my dad. 
in, in that process. Um, yeah. And I know like we each experience like different levels. Like my sister experienced it on a, on a much different level than I did. I was, you know, legally a grown up at that point. My daughter, my, my sister was still, you know, a child Mm -hmm. uh, in many respects. And I know she, she, she experienced it again on a different level. I, I felt like I had to take on this big responsibility of stepping in, of doing what my mom couldn't do, of signing all these papers, of going through this, through this process. I had to make all the funeral arrangements and, and get all that stuff straightened out, make the calls and let people know and the communication and, and doing all that. And it's so much, it, it really is so much. But at the end of the day, like my dad left us for, for being somebody who, um, he worked, you know, my parents both basically worked like paycheck to paycheck. They didn't have like a huge savings account. They didn't, you know, they didn't have a whole lot. They, they had finally gotten to the point where they had bought a house and all this, but my dad did not leave us like in this horrible financial place. Like, right. and it was just amazing how, <laughs> like, I, I think of it now, like the synchronicities and the way that things worked out and how, like I said, like the, the life insurance policy and, and that, how that helped. And, and then after that, we had to go through, because it was an accident that happened at work. There had to be people who were held responsible for that. So we went through that entire thing. And that I've, I've also written about extensively because that was such a process and that changed the way that I look at, at, the law and court systems and lawyers and especially jury duty because we had to have a civil court case uh, against the um, the company that was essentially responsible for for the accident because they didn't have proper safety procedures in place to have prevented an accident like this. Um, when so and and holding them accountable, we were assigned. It was a it was a civil case, and we had a jury assigned. And how pissed off I was because these people didn't take this shit seriously. Like these people took it as these jury people took it as, oh, like this is a reality TV show. And these two lawyers, it's like, who can entertain us the best? And I was like, this is such fucking bullshit. Like take that shit seriously. And I still say that now, like I can't stand to see people who complain about jury duty. Like that is your responsibility as a citizen of this country that we have that privilege to to be on a jury so take it take it as a responsibility and honor it because you are you are affecting people's lives the decisions that you make yeah it's inconvenient for some time or whatever like yeah you have to miss work or whatever but in the long run like you could be greatly helping or negatively affecting somebody's life like don't take that for granted um yeah so that's that but that's another story for another day is <laughs> uh-huh. tangent yeah D- tangent um, mm-hmm. but you know I I what what did help me like again so the 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 relationships with people the physical comfort of just having somebody around and we don't have to we didn't have to talk about my dad and this is so this is I guess a tip that I would have for somebody if you have maybe somebody that uh, maybe a friend who's recently lost someone and you don't know how to be there for them it's not about going there and like even necessarily talking about the person who's passed because it, it I didn't even need that we could talk about anything like if we could talk just have a conversation and just have a laugh even though it feels, it feels like, or maybe saying that feels like a little bit inappropriate, but it's not because life is so Mm -hmm. much. It's not just about the sadness. Like it's also about that connection Mm -hmm. and that joy. So even if you can go and, and have your friend spend some time with them and just distract them a little bit like that, that in itself is such medicine. Right. It's not disrespecting the, you know, uh, the the loved one who's passed or the memory or anything like that and just looking at it from a spiritual point of view uh, spirit it's much easier for spirit to connect with us energetically emotionally and even physically 
um, when your vibration is higher. So that's why it's so hard. People say, you know, why haven't I received a sign from my loved one? Why haven't, you know, they, why haven't I heard those Mm -hmm. three knocks? Why haven't, you know, Mm -hmm. I heard the whistle. Um, And it's because when your vibration is lower due to grief, anger, sadness, um, let's say that you're at like maybe a 100 or a 200, um, you know, um, rate frequency rate uh-huh. level we'll call it yeah rate level um but um love the vibrational frequency of love is 500 so you know it's very difficult for a spirit to lower themselves to the vibrational frequency yeah. of grief um, in order to have those messages come through that's why um you know, it's easier when your brain is sort of distracted or, you know, engaged with something mm-hmm. else um, for those messages to That's come That's beautiful. Through. That's such important yeah, information. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's the love or above frequency of 500. Wow. Um, and that's also... Uh, why, you know, if you've recently lost someone and wait, wait, don't try to, you know, connect with, you know, get a medium to connect with them. Give yourself, you know, a good, at least like three months to process, Um, you know, because what, there are seven or nine Mm -hmm. stages Mm -hmm. of grief. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You got to go through those stages um, and work all that stuff out. And then, wow, they'll come through. Uh, One of the things too, that I want to, um, touch back on is you know we've talked about this um you know yes before but every time you talk um about your dad he like as a medium um I'll connect people to you know their loved ones um and I typically stay unemotional um just because I'm I'm trying to hear the messages and I'm trying to relay the messages but dang, every time you talk about your dad, I start crying. Every time. Um, it's I don't know if it's your energy or if it's his energy, but he comes through so strong every single time you talk yeah. about him. Did he have a nickname for you that started with an N? Or did he Lala. call you something? Lala, Lalita. Like, Lala. Lalita. Ah, uh, okay. So I heard Nima. No, Nima. No, Nima. Nima. Okay. So Nima, Nima, Naima, or no, that doesn't su- mean No, my, to you? my, I mean, he called my mom Chaparrita. Yeah. Chaparita. Chaparita. Okay. And then he Lalita, called, Chaparita. he would, because okay. when my sister was a baby, she couldn't say my name. So she would call me Lala. Um, and then eventually uh-huh. it became my nickname. It was Lala. And my dad would call me Lalita. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there's I. Okay. So there's the yeah. the I, yeah. I, Um. So, but that's that's when you said, um, you were handling um or that you had the survivor's mm-hmm. guilt. Um. He came through and he was like, no. Um. But then I heard Naima, mm-hmm. but it was Aita, yeah. Laita. Yeah. So he said that, and he um he's like, no, no, no. That's not that's not yeah. what he wanted or anything like yeah. that. So yeah, he comes through very, very strongly for you. So that's Thank beautiful. You. Yeah. Yeah. Yay. It's uh, and I know it's so Joe and I had a conversation about my dad um a few weeks ago when we were after right after retreat and um uh, she clarified some things for me, especially about that, because I had that question of like, why did he suffer so much? Why did a person who lived such a good life? Um, I don't know if I've ever if I've shared this story with you, but he was a person where like I remember one time we several times this happened several times in different ways. But I remember one time we and, and don't do this, but <laughs> But um, he, he, up, he it was him and my mom. They they met these two guys who were like out on the street and he, they just had their bags. They had just gotten here from Mexico. Like they had just gotten here, obviously, like illegally and stuff. They had just gotten here. They're here with their backpacks. And my parents stopped to talk to them and they um and they told them like, yeah, we just got here. And then my dad's like, well, come on. Like he and he brought them. He brought them over to their our apartment and they like made them they made them food. And then they loaded them up with like all canned food and stuff from our from our pantry. And stuff. But that was who my dad was like. He's the type of person he would like right. if. Um, if he saw somebody on the street, like he worked, he worked in LA and like downtown where, you know, there's a lot of homeless people, um, and more now than there was at the time. But if he saw someone and they were, you know, just asking for food, he's that person who would give him their, his lunch, give the, give that person his lunch. And he ended up, you know, without a lunch that day or whatever. But, um, he, he was just that type of person. He would take the shirt off his back and give it to you. Um, 
And so I always I questioned that. I was like, how could somebody who was that that giving um, and that generous, like why was he why was he put through so much? And then you clarified that that it was that was part of his sole contract that he the medical procedures and and all that that the doctors went through to treat him taught the doctor something that they would then use later on use to save someone else's life. Yeah. Yes, very much. It, 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 his, his sole contract comes through. It also feels like too, like it was um, sort of dragged out, but that time was absolutely necessary. He did also what's coming through is that he also had the option of staying. However, um, I believe that he chose to go because of um, so it's like they're showing me mm-hmm. two roads, like a mm-hmm. fork in the road and his staying would have been a tremendous amount of challenge for yeah. everybody involved. Yeah. And he was like, I mm-hmm. don't want to do that. Right. But it was still an option that he could have had, um, for spiritual growth because the soul doesn't, mm-hmm. I won't say the soul doesn't care about challenge, but the soul, because the soul looks at that as, opportunity for growth right um but your dad and his free will he was like uh there's so many other Mm -hmm. ways to help um other than inflicting yeah and i did take a dip into that alternate reality at one point i had i saw it um i saw him on that same sofa that you know my mom and i were laying on at some point like he was there with his leg amputated and he couldn't do things for himself and being so frustrated with himself of saying like, I'm saying like, I'm useless. Like I can't, I can't work anymore. I can't do this Mm -hmm. and I can't do that. And being so down on himself and feeling like such a burden on us. And I remember I, I saw it. I saw that whole thing. I saw that, like that alternate. Yeah. I I saw that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. He was just, um, just, he was so like you're describing him um and the energy that's coming through is he was just such a a person who was so concerned with making the world a better mm-hmm. place for mm-hmm. others so yeah. that's that's what's what is sort of um just the waves that come through um yeah uh, whenever you talk about him it's, yeah. it's very beautiful yeah Mm-hmm. Can I also, um, when, okay, so you guys, like, you know what a fan I am of Fiora's mom and all of her crazy stories. And let me just tell you, meeting her in person was just as fantastic. Like, she's wonderful. She's warm and funny and um, friendly and all of those things, right? But when she told me the story of how she and your dad met, it was hilarious. And it was one of my favorite <laughs> stories ever. So funny because she was like, I don't, I, no, she didn't no, like she him at first, no. right? She's like, I don't like you and I don't trust you. <laughs> and just the way that she told it. And then she has a very thick mm-hmm. accent. And um, so it was a little bit hard, but so she would go, it, it was so cool because she would go back and forth with between Spanish and <laughs> English. But when she would go to, Spanish a little bit I would I would be like oh like I'm not gonna be able to know what she's saying but somehow I knew what she was saying it was the craziest thing so it was what a, a wonderful I loved that that night that we were all at the table drinking wine yeah that was so yeah fun. and this the story was that she met him at work was that they were she was working at this house and she was um taking care of this lady and she was like some older lady and she was kind of crazy and um <laughs> So my my dad uh, saw her come in one day, and he's like, "Oh, you're you're helping you're helping the la, la loca," <laughs> and, <laughs> and so, but she was only there, I think, like one day a week, because um, she was, you know, she had other jobs too, and uh, she said that he had like this huge ring of keys that that he would carry and she's like i don't know how he knew what key went to what but he knew like he right. knew exactly what key would open what yeah and he would he would always like stop and you know ha- try to have a conversation with her and at first she was like no 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 and 
like just trying to like you know it's like i'm sure she was pursued you know a lot at the time and she was you know the the discerning of like is it safe you know <laughs> what does this mm-hmm. person want with me but yeah um mm-hmm. yeah they they had some some really sweet stories of like the their first their first date and the first time that he ever cooked for her and how he brought her over to you know his his apartment and it was all like really nice and tidy and she was like not expecting that and, and yeah and no and the first time she cooked for him because my mom did not know how to cook mm-hmm. for him at all Uh-oh. and she made this dish it's called um, pollo encebollado which is basically like an like an onion chicken and she didn't know you're supposed to mm-hmm. like slice up the onion and saute them and whatever and all this and make the sauce well she took i don't know how many onions and she blended them and made like some Uh-oh. weird onion soupy mess thing and it was she said it was so disgusting <laughs> but Ooh, he ate it he, ate he was it like probably oh, good he ate it uh-huh. Ooh, you lie. <laughs> <laughs> i love the story like when he bought her lunch i thought that was so yeah. cute you know yeah. and, um but okay so but also doesn't she didn't she have like like what four sisters oh, she's, five yeah, well sisters, she's one of whatever. 11 children yeah yeah okay how was she not taught to cook did 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 somebody else yeah she just cooking? wasn't because clearly she wasn't one of them yeah her mother yeah her mother yeah teacher yeah they had the older the older siblings were the ones that she because she's one i think like the fourth or fifth in line so yeah the older mm-hmm. ones would were the ones that got taught to cook and then she she didn't but she ended up what's cool is ended up learning to cook from my dad but that's why my mom even Ah. though she's from El Salvador she ends up she knows more how to cook Mexican food than Salvadorian food so Uh, it's interesting how how all that worked out um but uh you know one of the things that like I mentioned that I struggled with long term was about the the fact that my children would grow up and not get to know their grandfather because he I mean he he obviously got to meet his first granddaughter his first grandchild my my daughter and oh my god he was just over the moon I mean when when I told them that I was pregnant I was first I was like a little afraid like how are they gonna react but they were so happy Mm -hmm. like they were so (gasps) happy and um Whenever I would come over to the house, because I would I would come over pretty regularly, um, he would you know, and I was very pregnant, and he would come and he would just he would start talking to my belly and just always like always talking to mm-hmm. her. And so when by the time she was born, she like she knew his voice, like she she was very familiar mm-hmm. with him. And I remember one time, um, my my mom had called me and she's like, because what my parents would do the way they would help me was like I. I had just gone back to work. It was just, you know, after the 12 week mark. And so my parents were basically taking turns watching her for me while I was at work. So my mom would work um, evenings. So she'd stay with her the whole day. And then my dad would come home and then he'd stay with her for a couple hours until I got home from work. And I remember one time my, my mom called me and she's like, your dad is asleep with the baby on the couch. Don't don't get mad at him like you know for like you know spoiling her or whatever and I was like it's fine like I don't I don't I've never believed in spoiling babies but um right yeah I came home I came home and yeah I found him asleep on the couch with her just laying on his chest and I have I have that picture I took a picture of them and yeah I never I, I never I never got mad at him for that that was no that would be ridiculous they um they this this that that wasn't their first rodeo together like they've had several past lives together on my legs um yeah so they have a very deep um relationship um a very deep connection um it's and it's this isn't the first lifetime together um is 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 your son yes. named after your dad mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's what he just said. He said so that that those yeah. two together, um, it's like oh, he's showing me three peas, three peas <laughs> in a pod. He's saying three peas yeah. in a pod. Um, more so with with your your um with your yeah. your daughter. I know their names, and I'm trying not to say them <laughs> right fine. because you know, but um, but yeah, definitely. Yeah. So yeah, that's beautiful. yeah, um, we knew from the moment that we found out that that. Uh, 
my son was going to be a boy that we would we would name him after my dad well his middle name his middle name is yeah. Jose so yeah he's named after my dad yes. um and there's always been little things where I see like when my son was really small probably around like age two or three because my dad was very like he he was a gardener before he was a truck driver and he always loved his garden he always loved being out you know with and having his plants and taking care of them and doing all that and I remember when my son was small, probably around like two or three, he would be outside helping my mom with the garden, like watering plants or like do just doing stuff, playing in the dirt. And I, I could feel it. Like my dad was there with him. Like they, that was him and my dad, like doing stuff in the garden together. And so mm -hmm. it, it just, just knowing that and feeling that, like I've, I, I haven't felt that the pain of like, oh my God, he's not going to know his grandfather because mm -hmm. he's experienced him and, you know, energetically, I know yep. he has. And, you know, we tell him mm -hmm. stories about him and he knows about him and he knows who he's named after. And so just that's mm -hmm. how we've helped to keep that memory alive is, you know, to share the yeah. stories and share the experiences and talk about the things mm -hmm. that you loved about that person. And what, what would you want, mm -hmm. you know, the, their grandchildren to know if they weren't there to mm -hmm. experience them firsthand or <gasps> like in Coco, yeah. they, he's like that you keep it, you keep it alive by talking exactly. about them and remember, remembering them until, and if one person, they have to have at least one person that remembers them or mm -hmm. else then they, um, yeah, yeah, I love yeah. Um, he visits your son in dreams, so your son interacts with him in, ah, in the astral realm. Beautiful. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, yeah, which I I can I can see Yay. that for sure because my son is a vivid dreamer. He 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 he's an empath. Do you think he's oh, yeah. an empath? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And that's why I try to get him to like. Mm -hmm tone it down sometimes because I can see like how he gets flustered with certain situations. I'm like, you don't have to feel everything. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, yeah. I, I blame the bird. He matches bird. me sometimes. As, and that's, and I, I have, I, I, I'm so guilty of the same, the same thing sometimes of, um, if you're in a bad mood, I'm in a bad mood too. Like, <laughs> yep. so just really like we learn off of each other. We have to like, I have to remind him. And then he reminds me like that if I'm acting this certain way that he's also going to like match that energy as well. So yeah, it's, mm -hmm. we, we definitely learn off of each other. Um, Sophia's always felt, my daughter has always felt like, um, like a sister. Um, I, I know that has something to do with the fact that I had her, you know, pretty young. Um, but I know that in some life or some capacity, we've, 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 uh, we've changed. Like, um, when yeah, I went into course. her Akashic record, um, I, I was a, a sister or a friend in another life, but I was not her parent. And then she asked me to be her parent in this life because her parents in, in that, that past life were very restrictive and they wouldn't let mm. her like let her really be herself and she was very constricted. Mm -hmm. And so she picked me so that I would give her that freedom to just like really be herself and really mm -hmm. be more creative and not like put a bunch of rules and stuff on her. So Mm -hmm. I have to remember that. Mm -hmm. Yes, for sure. For sure. Um, and also, okay, I'll tell you what's coming through about that. Is that, um, is that because of free will, there was no guarantee, right? But um, it, at the soul contract level, I don't know if this is your higher self or your spirit guides or whatever's coming through, but they're saying um, how wonderful that you've both actually um, sort of kept within the, the hopes of the soul contract. Aww. Yeah. 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 That was, that's, yeah, cool, I, so. I really do try to nurture yeah. her and her creative spirit and ending that because she's oh, incredibly that's... talented and, and all that. So yeah, I just, I, I love that mm -hmm. about her and I just appreciate her for it. And mm -hmm. I think that's, mm -hmm. I mean, remember that necklace that she made? She just made, I was yeah. like, what? She's a little yeah. jewelry designer in, in, in training. I was like, holy crap, girl. That wasn't just an ordinary necklace. That was like a, freaking statement yeah. piece yeah, just, and she would she she tore apart her old mm -hmm. necklace and made a new one with existing mm -hmm. beads yeah she's kept making more mm -hmm. so 
Yeah, we're. Yep. Is she? Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Okay. Well, when when you guys come and visit, I'll have to sit her down at the bench and um, show her how to make like. Oh yeah, silver, she would like, love that. Silver. Yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, yeah. For, for that'll sure. be fun. Yeah. Um, okay. So one of the other things I did want to talk about though, with talking about grief, um, I've heard this and I don't know, like, I'm sorry, I can't credit whoever had this original thought of the fact that, that grief can feel or grief is love with nowhere to go. Um, yeah. Yeah. But, but understanding that love is an energy and on a spiritual level or even just a scientific level if you want to get more you know scientific about in the fact that energy cannot be destroyed so that love yes it may feel like you have all this love that now you don't have the physical presentation of this person to give to that doesn't mean that they don't receive it or that they can't receive it they're still energetically they are still there and open to receiving and knowing and with knowing that it's how how are you expressing this love and yes allowing definitely allowing yourself though to feel the grief because um i i know i've sat with a few people where they're you know they're, they're talking about something and they're crying and then they're apologizing for it they're like i'm sorry i'm just like getting your emotion like no don't I know. don't why do people cry don't apologize for your emotions don't for don't apologize for your grief don't stop don't stop yourself from crying if you need to cry you are purging you are releasing allow yourself that grace to release and allow it mm-hmm. to move through your body like that is so important because i've i've personally felt like I've had so much grief stuck in my body for so long and just allowing myself to sit there with the emotion and allowing it to move through my body has has allowed me so much more space to just release and and feel so much more lighter after afterwards and yeah definitely give yourself that space to feel your emotions and, and let them flow and understanding that these feelings are and our emotions are us processing. It's processing, you know, it, it's all a yeah. process and we're learning. What do what do we learn from this situation? What can our experience teach other people? And share yeah. that. Don't feel like it's and not share. your story to share. That's one of the stages of grief is mm-hmm. is being able to tell your story and and being mm-hmm. able to share that with people. Um, why not? Yeah. I mean, I spent a lot of last year just writing. Like that was my like shadow work was just writing. And I, a lot of it is my, like, those are my blog posts. It's just me like working through different things of, of yeah. my, my childhood and, um, my past and all that. And just putting it out there, just writing it out there. So that it's no longer like, I don't have to carry it around. I just know that I've, I've let it out. Um, releasing mm-hmm, the burden definitely yeah. yeah releasing that releasing that burden big time i i i, I want to circle back though to what you were, were talking about the vibration of love and and vibration yeah. and and the the different levels that also explains why we play music at funerals yes music is a high vibe it yep it raises the vibrational yeah. frequency yeah for sure mm-hmm. when we had mm-hmm. my it's, um uh, my husband's grandma, when we had her services afterwards, it turned into a dance party. But that's yeah, what she yay. wanted. That's what she would have wanted. Yep. Like she, she had like yes. you know her her plan written out, um, and the mm-hmm. music that that wanted she wanted to have played at her at her services. And yeah, she she wanted people mm-hmm. to to celebrate her life because. She Celebrate. lived a yes. full life, a very long life, mm-hmm. and yeah, she and she made, um, she she raised you know uh, several adult children who you know all turned out and had their own family and were good people. So mm-hmm. you know she did her she did her part. She she did good, um, especially for Claire audience. If you consider yourself to be a Claire audience where you your most sensitive or one of your strongest abilities is um, inner hearing, um, music is critical, Mm. um, for raising your vibrational frequency. 
Um, so man, if you have some beats, um, and some sulfigio frequencies or some binaural beats yeah. or something like that, and you're feeling down, that's the, for me, I put, um, headphones on and I listen to Chris Cornell. <laughs> that's how I raise yeah. my vibe yeah. in order, um, you know, whenever I feel like I need it. But I'm definitely. a big fan of asking for signs with music of like, Hey, mm-hmm. what do you like yeah. you connect, if I'm, you know, connecting to a certain person or if I'm just like asking for something from my higher self, um, give me a song. And then, you know, when I yep. turn on my car, whatever song is on, there's my message. Like that, that's one of my favorite yep. ways to there's receive. Sign. It definitely is. It's one of my favorite ways to, um, to raise my vibe and yeah. to receive. Yeah. 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 What do you have any other sort of tips or suggestions for people? Because this is, we're coming up on the holidays and this is a really difficult time for people that, that, that have lost, mm-hmm. you know, loved ones, especially, um, moms and dads and, you know, brothers and sisters and all of those things. So, um, what else helps with the grief and processing it? Um, because one of the other things is that in readings, People will, like you said, they'll apologize. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sorry, I'm crying, you know, and it's like, oh my God, this is, please, no apologies are necessary. Like you said, the processing the emotions is the releasing of grief, releasing of burdens, releasing of energy. And this has to happen in order for the grief, grief yeah. process to um, run it through its appropriate yeah. stages. I think it's, um, I guess another tip I would have is honoring yourself and honoring what works for you in the process of working through your grief. What may work for me may not work for you and vice versa, but whether it's writing about it or talking about it um, and, and it's, it could be about writing or talking about how you feel, or it could be writing or talking about that person that you lost. Um, one of my favorite things that continues um, for me is um, the way that I honor my dad in the things that I know that he found joy in. So for him, yeah. Christmas was his favorite holiday and he's, and he was specifically loved decorating for Christmas. Yeah, he loved <laughs> like he would always put the you know the lights out inside outside of the house and and um he, you know the Christmas tree and he had um a train that he would put together you know to to run around the Christmas tree yes. and and he that was like I think for him that was like inner child work things that he didn't have in yeah, his childhood sure. that he wanted to give make sure that we had and obviously still give himself so continuing Mm -hmm. that and continuing that for my children and so when we Mm -hmm. put out Christmas decorations and when we're doing things for Christmas um I'll I'll talk to them like oh like look at this like we call him Goompa like because when my daughter was a baby when she was a toddler and she was just learning to talk she would just she just started saying Goompa you know she I think she could Mm -hmm. see him so um Mm -hmm. she would she would just say Goompa and yeah and so then yeah so ever since then we've just always called him that um so yeah so we'll we'll share stories about him and um and that's that's how I feel like how we honor our our people who have passed is by keeping their memories alive and um honoring them through the the traditions and the things that they enjoyed so whether it was like for me that's the specific one but maybe it's um that person's favorite food and you make sure that, you know, mm-hmm. that you're serving that at your your Christmas dinner or, or whenever. Um, or maybe it's mm-hmm. their favorite drink or it's their... Right, having exactly, a glass of wine. Or their favorite movie Ready or something. Something that you know yeah. that they would have enjoyed. And know in that moment yeah. that when you're sharing that with, with whoever you're sharing with, or even it's just by yourself, that, that the energy of your loved one is there with you because you're doing that for them. So this is a really good example of spirit being around and, but you might not know that, um, with your daughter and Umpa. So what he said was he was trying to tell her to teach her to yeah, say grandpa. Yeah. He was trying to teach her, but she obviously wasn't getting <laughs> yeah. it. Like, but like it, it, even if you try to teach, you know, um, if he had been living and trying to teach yes. her, it's the same thing, right? Cause babies yes. can't enunciate. <laughs> Um, but he's like, I tried to tell her, I was like, she heard him and he was trying to teach her. Um, I feel like he's saying that he wanted to surprise. Was, was it a surprise when she said it? Were you like, what what is she saying? That's what he's saying. He was trying to, um, get it to be a surprise, (laughs) but, um, it's funny because 
he's like, she didn't get it quite right, <laughs> yeah. but that's okay. So yeah. that's funny. Uh, but anyway, so that's a really good reminder that spirit is around us and they still interact with us, especially yep. children, even if we can't see them yeah. or hear them. So, yeah. And you think it's because children are just a higher vibe because they're just so much more full of joy and they don't have so many burdens on them. Yes, that's one reason. But also the other reason is, is that children are aware of our spiritual natures up until they start losing it about the age of seven. That's why it's so critical and important for us to nurture um, that, um, you know, teach children that, you know, about empathy and being empathic and how to manage their abilities. It seems like children, you know, that's very young mm -hmm. to teach them, but there are little ways that you can do that and work with very young children to just nurture the fact that you are a spiritual being. You're just having a physical experience because the more that you do that, the longer that they maintain that yeah. knowledge base, but it typically starts to subside yeah. about age seven. Yeah. I know. I think we've <laughs> talked about that with, uh, past lives when we talked about past lives we talked about the mm -hmm. how people remember or how children remember their past lives and then that tends to dissipate as as they get older past lives they can see spirits they can hear them they can interact with them um you know all mm -hmm. of those things which just for some reason at age seven it starts to go away which i think is you know um that sucks because I mean, I remember as a little girl, I would see spirits and it would scare the <laughs> shit out of me. And I didn't know what the hell yeah. it was, right? It'd be really nice if somebody had said, oh, that's just, you know, a spirit. Don't worry about them. They can't, you can't fear them or they don't, you don't fear yep. them or anything yep. like that. Uh, one of our neighbors who my dad, um, my, my parents had a really close relationship with them. Um, her grandson saw my dad, like physically saw my dad after he had passed. Yeah. yeah. And it, it scared him because he like no one explained, you know, anything yeah. to him. But yeah, he he physically saw him afterwards. Yeah. And he was yeah, he was small. He was probably maybe around like five, I yeah. think. Yeah. Yeah. They it's they're mm -hmm. clear as a bell. Clear as a bell. And it's it is yep. scary, you know. And so if you don't if you don't nurture that, you'll lose it. Um um, but you know, luckily I got my clairvoyance back, but it was gone for a long, 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 long time, yeah. many years. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's, that's what I, I, I would say. And then also just give yourself again, give yourself grace, give yourself time because, um, yeah. I know some people say like that, that grief never leaves and that eventually we make friends with it. But I just think that it's more that we transmute it and we learn, um, how to work more in the vibration of love and the love that we have for that person and, and live more with that energy versus just living in the sadness of it. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that's beautiful, beautiful, G great, great conversation. Um, more not, I mean, more just like a beautiful retelling of your experience. And thank you for sharing that with us. That's, that's, that's something that's very sacred. And I feel very fortunate to um, have shared in a couple of these conversations you. with you, but that's thank beautiful. you. Thank you so much. All right. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for always holding space for me with this. And, Aww, and yeah, and, and your insights have been incredibly useful and just so, so helpful. Um, I really can't recommend that enough though. If, uh, if maybe it has been a while for, for someone you, you, it's been a few years or however, I guess, amount of time. Um, and you feel like maybe there's some closure that you need. Um, I know like just sitting down with Joe and having that, that helped a ton. So yeah, I would say definitely if you need some more guidance or you feel like you need some closure around your own personal grief and, and all that, definitely get with Joe and, and book a session with her. Yeah, book there's there's a spirit guide reading, um, and that's the one that I would recommend for mediumship. Um, I can't guarantee that the spirit that you want to connect with will come through. I can guarantee that you will get a message from either your spirit guides or a loved mm -hmm. one. Um, also, if it's been recent, um, it may not be conducive to that spirit to come through yeah. yet um, because 
after um, we talked about this and I think it was like one of the the past few episodes about life on the other Mm -hmm. side after a spirit passes through if their passing has been particularly um, traumatic or hard um, you know then they spend some time in um, sort of recovery recouping like rehab or whatever Um, and then at that time somebody will come through and step forward for them but thank you thank you that's a quick reminder i did want to mention because we talked about this before but i wanted to make sure that it was included here on the on this episode um for anyone who's worried about having a loved one who's passed and being worried about like the quote-unquote stuck in limbo thing um i know several mediums i don't know about you joe but i know several mediums who just don't believe in that like don't believe in Mm -mm. that whole limbo thing that it's bs no yeah um but if they're your loved one that means they're at the very least you love them but um it's highly likely that there were more people that loved them and specifically there are more people who had already crossed over on the other side who were waiting for them and they help them cross over so release that fear of thinking like they might be stuck or what if they didn't make it or where are they no they're they're fine they made it they're on the other side um yes the idea of whether they can connect with you or not again i think that has a that has to do with like the vibrational and then obviously if if it's in if it's meant for you to have that communication then i think that it'll be there Mm -hmm. and if not then there's maybe a message there as to why not right right there are very 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 few exceptions and as i thought that and said Mm -hmm. that my legs are tingling so that's my validation from spirit there are very few exceptions there are earthbound spirits Mm -hmm. but those are the result of free will um and uh, you know we've talked about that's either due to fear or fear of judgment Mm -hmm. fear of leaving fear of judgment wanting to stick around or whatever but you are correct that that those the the force of love is stronger than the force of fear and those that are meant to cross over um which 99.9% of spirits are those spirits on the other side are going to be there and just contribute to that force of love pulling them in beautiful yeah all right all right guys well i think that's everything for today just a quick reminder you can find us on all the socials under esoterics podcast be sure to join our facebook community the esoterics group to hear firsthand about our services events and courses as well as get intuitive development tips card pulls free meditations and a lot more whole lot more and if you enjoyed today's episode please share this with a friend Um, it really does um, mean a lot to us we would love to increase our um, audience and our followers on instagram and so please it's as easy as um, sharing a screenshot on your stories and don't forget to tag us because we love to pull from those tags and um, you know just do fun things with us so um, thank you for sharing space with us today stay mystical magical and ready to do it again next week next week yay all right see you guys thank you bye-bye